Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Lyrically, I'm untouchable, uncrushable. Welcome everyone to another episode of Punch the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Stubbs. I appreciate you joining me here this evening if you're listening live. And if you're listening to the podcast recorded, thank you for subscribing. Uh, with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire, SaturdayNightBoxing.com's very own Adam Abramowitz, a.k.a. SN Boxing on Twitter. Good evening, Adam. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Brandon. How are you? Oh, uh, man, it, it's great to be back, great to, to take people's minds off of a few things and talk some boxing here for a little bit. Um, we're going to be joined by Kermit Centron here in about uh, 15 minutes as well. Yeah, uh, we are welterweight champion uh, from the uh, eastern Pennsylvania area. Uh, has fought in Philly a lot, and uh, you know, still still fighting a little bit, but faced all sorts of uh, uh, excellent fighters in his career, from um, Sergio Martinez, to Paul Williams, Antonio Margarito, uh, Angulo, uh, Canelo, all sorts of. Uh, all sorts of uh, guys had some good wins, uh, took some tough losses, had a fun career full of, of ups and downs, and uh, I think we'll have a lot to talk to him about. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, as we were remiss, we don't really have that many live fights, per se, to talk about. So right. um, one thing we did want to talk about is um, how things are going to look different once boxing does return. Now, uh, there's been some pieces out in various different platforms, Um most notably, ESPN has one out now, uh, where some uh, some prominent promoters have been spoken to and gotten quotes to about what they what their plans are uh, about coming back to boxing here whenever they get that gauged. And um, you know, one of the quotes was kind of the same thing he said when he did the show, Eric Gomez, the president of Golden Boy, that they have different plan A's, plan B's, and plan C's. But not everybody in that article had that that same kind of take on it, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of variety. Um, I liked what Eddie Hearn had to say that they're probably going to start with mid-tier fights, whereas some of the other people interviewed, such as Steven Espinoza, uh, said we're going to have bigger fights. And I think what Eddie was saying was interesting because he's saying some of these guys have astronomical uh, minimums that they get per fights, and you just can't replicate that you know, without – an audience without a live gate. Um, and so these guys probably eventually will fight, but logistically they just don't see that working out immediately off the jump. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And um, there were a number of comments in the article from various people. I think everybody's thinking about it now. Uh, it's going to go down to what states are friendly in terms of opening up. I think it's going to go down to where everybody's staff is. So, I think they're going to try and limit travel. So top rank will stick to Las Vegas and uh, California. As Bob Arum said, I expect Golden Boy to have their events in California. Uh, I don't expect as much international travel. I think both the fighters by and large will be America versus America or, you know, America versus uh, Mexico, you know, a place where it's not too hard to get to. Um, I think that's how there's so many variables that are still in play. 
but it's good to know that people are seriously thinking about it because I think we're starting to see a little light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, with the state starting to reduce some of their restrictions. Yeah, and, and I'm in an area where that has been announced that they're looking to do that here in the next two weeks. Now, you did say something interesting in regards to Eddie Hearn's comments. Now, Eddie did say about the overhead and two names he had thrown, thrown out in regards to uh, you can't do fights without you know people there to make money off the gate was Canelo and Anthony Joshua. He actually said Canelo's right. name first, Joshua, which I thought, huh, funny. Uh, you're bringing up a guy who's not your fighter first. But right, 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 right. Oh, kind of That's a good kick out of seeing that, but – one thing that I've kind of thought about when he said that, I'm thinking, well, Canelo's money is allegedly guaranteed in regards to his deal with his own. So his gate portion, he could really fight in front of four people or 400,000. I mean, he's still going to get that money from the zone. And I kind of thought the same thing was similar maybe with Anthony Joshua. Maybe that circumstance has changed. I don't know what his relationship is directly with the zone or if it's more Eddie Hearn and Hearn needs to recoup that money off of a gate to pay Anthony yeah. Joshua money so some of that it's yeah what Eddie was saying was correct but then some of it is like uh maybe it's not as so much you know and, and you brought up a funny thing uh, not a funny thing but a, a thing about sponsorship now I'm going to revert back here to my MMA days here a little bit but I, I want listeners to uh, if they can think about uh, years ago in the UFC to where before they had the Reebok deal where they, everybody dressed the same where fighters had you know, 7,400 different sponsors on their shirts and on their shorts when they were fighting. I think you're going to see something similar to that when boxing does get back on television because that is going to be a great way of revenue generating for these fighters who yeah. may have to take less of a purse, but you may be able to talk into a, a national sponsor or somebody who's regional to throw a patch on your shorts for, you know, $1,500 or $3,000. And if you get four or five of those, well, that adds up. That can make up for part of the purse you're going to miss out on. So I think that's going to be an interesting concept and something that fighters may want to be more open-minded about in the coming weeks yeah. because the ball is going to start rolling on that here sooner than later. Uh, but I think that's a, an interesting part of it with that sponsorship for these fighters on their clothing uh, that we'll probably see more of when fights do come back. Yeah, and, this, and that came out of a discussion I had with uh, Jamel Herring, uh, the 130-pound uh, champion, who, uh, even though he was originally supposed to be facing Carl Frampton in a big international fight, I think he sees the writing on the wall and said, with everything that's going politically, who knows how easily people can fly out, who knows what country's restrictions will be on for having people come in, uh, he may have to fight a tune-up or you know an in-between fight, and he volunteered uh, his name to go into the ring for top rank to have one of these early fights. And he understands that the money may be down a little bit, but one of the things he was very encouraged with is that the, the, the TV ratings right now for anything sports-related has been huge. You know, whether, yeah. it's been the draft, whether it's been the NFL draft, the Michael Jordan documentary, anything. So if boxing can, add, can get out of the gate fast – uh, you know, on an ESPN, you know, let's say Thursday night, there's nothing else on live. I mean, from a sports perspective, I mean, so the ratings could be very, very compelling. Um, so in a weird way, because I know you like the word weird, uh, this situation does create some opportunities from the sport for the sport because there's going to be available eyeballs to get for the next few months in a way that there probably wouldn't have been. Because you have to remember, you know, you're talking about June. You know, that would have been uh, uh, NBA uh, finals, NBA playoffs. 
you go into July, that's normally vacation, you know, season. Everybody's like the the, the normal rules may not be applying for this year. So boxing, MMA, any of these sports that can get off fast, I think could be very successful. Now, I did think it was also interesting, a part of that article, that no one really said a direct answer per se to this. But I will say it's going to be interesting come um, a week, well, what is we doing the show, you know, a week and a half from now. Uh, UFC is going to have a pay-per-view down in Florida on May 9th. Obviously, it's going to have no fans in it. It's going to be at the arena. But they're going to also do a card the 13th of May and then again on the 16th. So they're going to have all their fighters there who are going to be part of those three cards in that area Everybody's going to be there all at once. That way they can just knock them out one after one after the other. It will be interesting to see how that plays out and their success with that. And obviously two of those cards are going to be on ESPN and ESPN plus how their ratings are. I think you're going to get a far better gauge of what boxing is going to do the the Monday morning of May 18th. I think that week, do not be shocked at all. If you're going to start hearing some fights getting announced or some more rumblings about fights getting announced, during that week, because I have a feeling what the UFC does, as much as I hate Dana White, he's going to help set a pace for combat sports, whether we like it or not, and it's going to be very important what happens here that week. Uh, They do those three cards um, in in Florida, so it's going to be crazy times, but really interesting that none of the boxing promoters said anything about them following his lead, but I know they will. They're going to definitely be paying attention to how that's handled. Well, also that they're going to be Dana White is going to be lobbying state commissions to open the doors. So, you know, his efforts are going to help. I mean, if they open the doors for MMA, they certainly could open the doors for boxing. So uh, I think, yes, he will be playing a very important role uh, one way or the other in terms of helping get the doors open again. Now, will this set, will this set the pathway for Zufa boxing? Nah. <laughs> we've, been waiting, we've been waiting for a few years. Uh, for that, uh, still waiting for that first fighter announcement, seeing who's going to take the plunge, and uh, don't know, don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, since we're, we're talking yeah. about Zufa boxing. You know, maybe Dana White can throw Adrian Broner the $10 million he's asking, uh, he's asking for him well, social media. I mean, <laughs> let me, let, now I don't follow MMA like you do, but Dana White isn't exactly known for paying his fighters well, like that's not his thing. Right? For like, if you want to get paid, you know what I mean? Like, one of, one of their brilliant schemes has been, like, keep costs down, you know, in terms of fighter payment. I mean, they, they've, you know, they, they've, they've held the line pretty, pretty well over their career, I thought. But, you know, you know more than I do. Now, I mean, your guys like your, your John Jones, your Ronda Rousey's when she was active, uh, your Conor McGregor's, obviously. You know, your marquee name fighters, they do generate, and they get, you know, $5 million plus, you know, per fight, and then back-end numbers off of pay-per-view buys. So, you know, they're not getting, you know, what's your normal fight. And we would see these fight purses for, like, guys fighting on PPC, and we're like, they paid that guy $2 million for that. Yeah, that's what maybe a main eventer may be getting, if that, at a UFC. And that's both not only if they fight, but that's also if they get a win. So you fight, you get half of that. You win, you get the other half. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, Adrian, you, you may yeah. want to talk to Dana. Dana's somewhere. Yeah. Somebody posted this. Like, he hasn't had a win in, in many, many years. Like, the, uh, I don't know, if it was like 1,100 days or something like that. It was a staggering uh, uh, amount of time since he's won since the last time. So, um, 
You know, one of the things that I was, I'm, I'm working on a piece on, on the PBC. It's part of my promoter snapshot series, and I should be out later in the week. And one of the things that I was really um, struck by was how many prime fighters PBC has in their, their best earning years, you know, between like 29 and 33, you know, your Earl Spence's, your, your Porter's, your Wilder's, you know, everybody, every fight for those guys, Danny Garcia is expected to be big fights. You know, they're all making seven figures a fight. Um, Wilder, Gervonta Davis is a little younger. Spence, they're all expecting a pay-per-view in 2020. That was all part of the plan. And so there's going to be a lot of people taking some massive uh, pay, pay hits. And I'm just wondering, you know, who's going to actually step up and fight this year versus who's going to sit out you know, and wait for the scenarios to get a little better, perhaps, for 2021. 20, and I think that was interesting going through the roster. These guys that are getting seven figures every fight uh, with the potential for much more, are they actually going to fight this year or are they going to wait? Because they've probably made enough money where they don't have to get in the ring immediately. You would hope. You would, you would yeah, hope. I you mean, never know. It, they've made it, but, you know, have they done the correct thing with it? But I understand what you're saying there. I mean, it, it's going to be a game of chicken. I mean, it's going to yeah. be who blinks first. And it, and if you have a larger marquee champion, do it first and be the first one to test the waters. He could, you know, potentially, you know, show, hey, I, I, I took the less money, but the ratings were good or I got sponsorship money. You know, yeah. again, I think that's going to play a lot into it if they can see money from another avenue to kind of recoup some that they lose. But who's going to be the one to play chicken with that and do it first? I don't, I don't see a guy like Danny Garcia probably. One no. Of audience. No. Uh, I, I couldn't see Manny Pacquiao doing that. No. I don't even know if Pacquiao's going to come back to fight this year. Granted, you know, he's doing his thing over in his country, helping his people out. So we don't see him. I No knock against him. You know, would one of the Charlo brothers do it? You know, would we see, you know, a Jared Hurd? Would we see Anastasia Laro? You know, Julian J. Rock, you know, will he bounce back and and take a fight in front of no crowd? It's it's going to be interesting. Um, they have a lot of divisions where they have an abundance of talent. They have a lot of talent they can match up with each other, so they can do it in house, uh, both yeah. on a larger scale in regards to top tier, mid tier, and even some of their prospects. So it it, it, it it's it's going to be real interesting to see who who's the first one to blink. You know, who's the first one to take the money that's being offered to stay active. Um, I can tell you one guy who won't. I, I tell you we're not going to see uh, your boy uh, Gary Russell Jr. He won't be fighting. No, no. And, and like, you know, Danny, Danny Garcia, you brought up earlier, is a great person because he fought in February, right? He had that kind of uh, fight against Red Catch, and, and, and he wins. Um, you know, he he's done pretty well with his money. He has He has a lot of businesses. He's fairly diversified. Uh, I don't, I just am not expecting him to fight in 2020 at all. And I'm not hating on him either. It's just, you know, for him, if his next fight could be an Earl Spence pay-per-view, which was promised to him, and he's made his money, and I, I just don't see a guy like that springing for it. I don't, and I don't, I don't begrudge him either. You know, I think everyone's fighter situation is different uh, in terms of, uh, you know how much? How much do they need the money? How much do they want to build their profile? You know what do they want out of the sport? So um, I don't know. Who, I think you mentioned some interesting names at 154. 
you know, Jared Hurd, who's coming back with a new trainer, you know, would this be an opportunity for him to get another opportunity uh, for a step-up fight? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you have a uh, – there's, there's a bunch of people that I could see, uh, David Benavides making a, uh, uh, you know, a title, getting a mandatory out of the way, you know, in this scenario. I mean, you could see a bunch of people doing it. Yeah, and I mean, this would be an opportune time to maybe get those mandatories out of the way. Um, so they're not, you know, if you yeah. can go and pursue another fight that you're more interested in that could be more lucrative when you can't fight in front of fans, you know, and, and that may be something that, you know, that, that's a great point you brought up. You know, mandatories would be this would be a great time to get those out of the way. If you can get those out of the way and eliminate it, cool. That way, when things do open back up late, whether it be later this year, top of next year, you can already say mandatories out of the way. I want this guy. I want to. This is a right. big fight. We now, the funny thing is with a guy like, you know, Danny Garcia, you mentioned, he's promising Earl Spence pay-per-view, but what about if Earl Spence decides, and I'm going to go ahead and take a fight, and I'll, I'll take a fight here on Fox, and we'll do it in the studio, you know, versus, you know, with nobody here, you know, then, then what? If he's willing to accept that, okay, you know, does, does Garcia say, yeah, I, I'm still going to pass if this isn't going to be on pay-per-view, I'm not going to take, le- I'll take less money, I'm not going to take less money, I'll wait. Or does he yeah. pass that opportunity? So it, it's going it's, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be either passing up opportunities or bank on being able to make more money later. You know that's that's going to be the scenario. I think a lot of fighters are going to be having to look at here in the coming months is opportunity to fight, stay busy, or you know bet on myself that I can make more down the road. Real tricky game. Yeah, it is tricky, and you need good advice, and, and we know that sometimes fighters uh, aren't always the ones getting it, it, the best advice. You know, Earl Spence, for instance, you'd think probably would want a tune-up uh, coming off the accident, you know, so he'd be a guy who would generate buzz for Fox, for instance, to do a studio show against, you know, you know whoever's in the top 15 or whatever whatever contender they could get that that satisfies the sanctioning organization. I believe he has the IBF belt. Yeah, I think he has two belts now. But um, So I think he'd be a perfect candidate. Uh, there are others who I could perfect, you know, I just don't think we'll see. I don't think, I don't think we'll see any of the big international travel matchups. Uh, I don't think we'll see Shakur Stevenson going to England. I don't think Jamel Herring's going to England. I think a lot of those um, – I just don't think we'll see a lot of that in the near future. So uh, it's a lot of things to consider. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're looking at the end of April now, and most people are talking about sometime after Father's Day could be a potential start, perhaps more into July. So we're talking about seven, eight, nine weeks. Um, that's not going to be fun. Uh, as boxing fans, it's still going to be a slog. But at least I think there's a um, – uh, a roadmap out of this. Uh, I think a lot of it will depend on which states are going to come through. I, I think Nevada is going to be, uh, Nevada has been just itching to get back to work and uh, they haven't been hit as hard as some other places in, in the country. Um, I, I think, I think a lot of it could be done in Las Vegas and the surrounding environment. I, I expect that to be a pretty busy site. Yeah, I, I would hope so. And granted, they'll probably be close to fans. But damn it, I'm going to say this now. I plan on being there come hella high water uh, the end of June. I have family vacation book. Whether I'm the only one going or not, 
damn it, I'm going, okay? Let me make that clear. So if you are going to hold a fight there in Vegas, I will call in whatever favors I have to set somewhere in the back, far away from everyone, just to sit and watch boxing live. Uh, it, it's an itch. You know, and granted, you said, you know, we're probably looking at six to seven, you know, six, eight, seven, eight weeks from now as far as maybe fights happening. Well, we've set, what, seven, eight weeks now with no fights. So it's... Yeah. We're halfway there, so I mean that—that's the spin I can put on it. To for all of us who are itching and wanting to see fights, wanting to see guys, um, you know, these contenders, these champions, all these guys who are excited about fights happening, being able to see them. Now, one thing you said with the international fights that that kind of breaks my heart that I don't think we're going to see anytime soon now is a fight that I should be coming here on the show this week talking about. You know, I would have been coming back from Vegas talking about in a way and Casemiro. I think that's yeah. now not going to happen by the sounds of it. So, um, no, the, you know, there's yeah. alternative, um, you know, possible opponents now for Casemiro. They don't know. They're not really sure what they're going to do with Inouye right now. So it, it's stuff like that when those kind of fights kind of break down. And, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens with the, the Mexican fighters and the uh, and what have you, if they're going to be able to get into America or if they're going to sneak them in here to America. That No, no offense there. Didn't mean anything harmful by that. But – you know, how are, those, how are those guys going to be able to come over here and make a living that they've been used to making prior to everything happening? It, it, it's just it's insane to think about. It's a lot of logistics involved with this. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think you hit on some really good points. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I have basic questions. Like, will Eddie Hearn be allowed to do the international travel to come over to America? You know, will will that will that be allowed? And uh, you know, how how much is his uh, stable going to be able to travel between England and America? Because he had a lot of his international fighters, uh, yeah. not just England but European. He had those fighters on American cards. Uh, I mean, I was supposed to see last weekend. Uh, I think that was supposed to be the Pro Grace Hooker fight, and yeah. I was looking to that fight. Now maybe that's one um, that could get revived. And that's a good fight. And let's be honest, uh, it's at the MG- it was going to be at the MGM Grand in National Harbor, Maryland. It would have been a very rambunctious crowd, but it's not like that gate was going to be a million dollars or anything. I mean, you know, maybe that's a very good fight that could get revived uh, and 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 put on, uh, you know, whatever one of these platforms. But yeah, I mean, there's some really good fights that were canceled and in New Week. Um, Casemiro is certainly one of them, and there's just no guarantee that some of them are going to get rescheduled. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's something that that maybe we may see out of this come is we may see more promoters having to work with other promoters. You know, you, you brought up Eddie Hearn. You know, Eddie Hearn, granted, has been doing business here in America, but if he can't come over here and travel, maybe if he does have fighters that are part uh, that he had cards, you know, want to do cards with, that he may say, hey. Top rank, can you can this guy maybe come and do a, a show with you? And we we try to do some exchange down the road or something like that. Yeah. You may have seen something like that actually happen because if they can't, you know, right. if, if he can't come over here and do certain things, if he can't get certain things done, if he, I don't know what kind of team he actually has here in America for match from USA, you know, he may have to reach out to some of these American uh, promoters and vice versa with some of the uh, you know the promoters right. who have. In the states, who have guys in in Mexico and fighters over in the UK and Japan, so it, it it will get it'll get interesting. But it it could 
involves some ice between some people and some parties to where they may have to work together to make the greater good happen. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you do this for me, I'll, I'll put Conlon on one of my cards in England because he's going to need a yeah. fight, you yeah. know, something like that. I mean, obviously, Top Rank has a good relationship with Frank Warren, but, you know, whatever these scenarios, you know, they come up, people do favors, you know. I know everybody likes to think of these promotional companies are rivals, and sometimes they are, but there's also some back-scratching that goes on in the sport, even at the lower levels where, you know, somebody fights on a lower-level portion of this card and some prospect who's from a local area, you know, fights on this card because there's a slot. I mean, they buy slots from each other. I mean, these things kind of happen. So I'm hoping that there's some additional camaraderie. There is uh, some collegiality, people working together, realizing that um, – uh, you know, the sport has an opportunity to present itself in a good light in front of people that are going to be eager to watch. And so it would be best to give them a good product. You know, the good thing about the piece that you're referencing about on ESPN is none of the promoters, TV people said, oh, you know what, it's going to be a lot of tune-up fights. You know, all of them said, listen, we want to bring good content. Like, we understand you know, that this is an opportunity to pro- provide good fights to the people. So I liked what I was hearing from that scenario uh, because, you know, I, I look at this five different ways. And some days I'm like, we're just going to see horse shit for the next three weeks, for the next three months. But, you know, I was very happy to hear that people say, no, we're going to see some fights of substance. You know, we have bosses to answer to. They've made investments in the sport. They want to return. You know, Fox wants to see high-profile fighters. ESPN wants to drive decent ratings. Um, you know, zone needs to have content that's compelling for people to, to start talking about renewing their subscription or keeping their subscription. So a lot of these bullshit-level fights that I fear may happen, uh, it doesn't sound like the powers that be want that to happen. Now, that doesn't mean it may not happen because of who steps up to the plate. But it True. seems as if they want some level of competitiveness and uh, entertainment value to start. So I think that's very positive. I so did send happened? a text. I, I, I did send a text. I, I did send a text to Kermit. Uh, you know, we'll give him a few more minutes if he comes on. That'd be fantastic. If he doesn't, he certainly would not be the first guest to not come on. Uh, you know, yeah. it is hash, it's hashtag boxing. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've, we've had happen before. It'll happen again. It, it's yeah, it's a part of doing the live show. I mean, it, it, it you got to take the good with the bad in that regard. So it comes with doing a yeah. live show. But I was going to say what you're saying. You know, with them not wanting any you know crap or shit show fights. You know, what, to, to kind of recap that for the listeners, what Adam was saying is you don't have to worry about seeing Robert Easter and Bartholomew Part Two happening anytime soon. Never, never, <laughs> never. Oh my God. Oh, that that's one I'm glad they have not shown as a as a uh, a highlight reel or a video they're showing from PBC on any of their platforms at all. Please, for the love of God. There's a guy on Twitter named Michael Ezra who I like a lot. He, uh, he he's kind of a boxing historian. He wrote a book on Muhammad Ali, but he posts a lot of very interesting questions, a lot of historical boxing questions. So one question I had or he had was, what's one fight that there's no footage of? that you'd love to see. And I said, I'd love to flip that question around. It's like, what's that? What's the one fight you wish you, that there wasn't any film of? 
yeah. and then my answer to that was Easter Bartholomew. And yeah. like I wish I wish there was no footage of that. I wish none of us had to sit through that and see that. Um but anyway, he's a good follow if you uh anyone who's out there listening on Twitter, he has a lot of interesting provocative poll questions and uh love to talk about the heavyweights of the seventies and eighties if people love that era and it is a good era. Um so yeah, that was just a rancid fight for Rancis, Rancid for Rancis, uh Rancis for Rancid. And uh I don't know. So what else do you have, Brandon? Let's give it a few more minutes and we'll see where we're at. Um, let's kind of touch on, let's touch on this because since we're kind of talking about boxing coming back and what have you, uh, there was a fight card down in Nicaragua here this past weekend that us did a story about for ESPN and it showed a lot of, showed the photos of, um, you know, everybody coming into the arena, got their temperature taken. Uh, they got sprayed down with uh, sanitizer, even uh champion and possibly come back fighter of the year. Roman, uh, Chocolatito, uh, Gonzalez, uh, had his, um, Temperature and everything taken. Uh, fans were setting, uh, told to sit at least like three feet apart. Uh, so you're seeing like two and three seats in between people. It was the arena had, was only like at 10% capacity, which I think was like 800 spectators total. Uh, the ref wore a mask, uh, the cameramen wore masks, the judges and everything, they were all spread out. They all had on masks and gloves. Cornermen did as well. The fighters did up until when they got in the ring to start fighting, then obviously took their mask off. Um, I, it's crazy as it looked. That's going to be what we're going to be seeing here uh, when boxing comes back. But I was very interested to see how they actually laid that out to where they let people in. I think the tickets were even free uh, for the show. So it was an interesting read. So it's something to definitely check out and look at those photos. But um, is is that something you think that, you know, we're going to see, you're going to see everybody ringside with that kind of gear on when uh, fights do happen? Yeah, I think so to some degree. I mean, I think the studio fights, are going to be uh, more contained than that. I don't think there'll be that as many people. Um, with obviously they're not going to have fans, but you know, with with far fewer people, I'm not sure that uh, you, you know maybe you see the referee in a mask. I don't know. Um, it's it's very possible, but one of the other things to consider that hasn't been brought up yet, and and I don't know the answer to this yet. I, you know, my good friend is uh, Michelle Rosado, and she. She had a card in Philadelphia that had to get canceled, and it got rescheduled to June, and it looks like that's going to get rescheduled as well. How are they going to do club fights? You know, no yeah. club fighter, no club fighter can make money in this context if you only allow 10% of the fans to come in. There's just no there is no money to be made uh, because fight cards have to have X number of rounds on them. Uh, you still have to pay the insurance. You still have to pay the ambulance. Uh, they're just I just don't see a future for boxing at a at a smaller level uh, immediately. And this, yeah, we could all weather this for three months, six months, nine months. But this is if this is a long term uh, change to the sport, I just don't know the solution for these developmental fights that are so crucial to so many people in the sport. Yeah, the, the club show just. For the time being, it may be dead. As bad as that may sound, it, it may legitimately be dead. Now, yeah, could they maybe work out some deals to maybe get some kind of streaming going or uh, try to put the fights on some sort of pay-per-view, whether it be on Fight TV and charge a couple bucks uh, to try to generate some revenue that way? Yeah, yeah, sure, you could. But, you know, is that a long-term plan that's going to work? Are, are people going to drop, you know, five, six bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks? 
on a club show to watch uh, a stream of that may or may not be a high quality stream. Like you just, it's, it's a crapshoot from that aspect, but the club shows are a vital part of boxing. It's something yeah. that it's a, it's a lifeblood. That's how fighters get their start. That's how fighters get developed. I mean, not everybody's going to be, you know, making their pro debut, the second and third fight on a card on ESPN uh, or on uh, FS1 or Showbox. So it's, it is the lifeblood. Those fighters need an opportunity and a platform to showcase their skills, to even show they have skills, to even go anywhere in the sport. So that's it, – it's it's a real slippery slope with, with the club shows and those smaller promoters. Um, I I just don't see a real pathway and a, a track for them to get back on their feet here in the coming months and, unless some things can get opened up unless some limits and restrictions get lifted in regards to how many people can gather, it's going to be tough sledding for those guys. I got a question for you. So they obviously have postponed the Olympics this year from uh, 2020 to 2021. They're going to be in Tokyo. Uh, We don't know that they're going to be in 2021, but as of now, that's when it's rescheduled. And they're in the process of funneling down who was going to make the Olympics with would you tell – do you think a year matters to these, let's say, the top U.S. amateurs? Or do you think some of them would be well advised to start going pro? Because I've seen a lot of different takes uh, regarding that scenario. For me, I don't feel like a year is make or break. But I, others in the sport do. That they'll tell you that there's a big difference between being 21 in an amateur and being 22 in an amateur. Uh, you know, between being 19 and amateur and between being 20, you know, in terms of potential earning down the road. I'm wondering how that's going to play out, how any, many of these kids do decide to go pro and how many kind of stick it out and try and make sure they, re, you know, retain their place in the Olympics next year. I don't know if you have a thought on that, but I thought it was definitely an interesting topic that was brought up online. Yeah, that that's then again, that's kind of another slippery slope because let's let's kind of look at the, the situation for what it is. Okay. You turn pro. Where are you going to fight? You know, are you yeah. going to generate revenue? Because let's face it, it's not like the. Granted, when boxing does get up and running, we may see more shows in a short amount of time. But are those slots going to be for a guy like you who's just turning pro, who you were a part of the Olympic team, but may not have that buzz? And I mean, you know, are they going to save that slot for someone who's already established? You know, it, it's that's. That's kind of the scenario because, again, if there's no club shows, you know, for some of these guys, you may not, it may be tougher for you to get a spot somewhere to fight, no matter what promoter you sign with. So it, it can get weird from that aspect, you know. And also, do these guys, and, and I've talked to the fighters who've been a part of the Olympic teams and what have you, some of them may not even want to deal with the whole stress of dealing with USA boxing anymore. Yeah. They may just be just finally like, you know what, I had my chance, I'm washing my hands of it, I don't want to deal with the rigor mo of it anymore. So I think that's going to play a part, but you know, some guys have dreams, and I'll, I'll tell anyone, if you have a dream, continue to chase it. Don't let it go. Uh, don't let obstacles get in your way. You try to you get over those obstacles. So, you know, if a fighter is, if they're on the fence about it at all, that should tell you right then and there. If you're on the fence, you just might as well just turn pro. Uh, if you're feeling any sort of kind of way about it, if you're having to question it, it's probably just time for you to take your chances and turn pro and try to make some money out of it. But if you don't have that pathway set up or 
when you're thinking about turning pro, you're talking to these promoters. They have a pathway set up for you right now, meaning the rest of 2020, as far as you being able to get fights and being able to stay active and, and try to build a buzz about you. There's going to be no point in turning pro. So make make smart decisions, ask questions, and if there if those people that you're trying to work with don't have a pathway for you. Just stay in the Olympic program, see what happens next year. It's not like you can't, you can't turn pro at any time. You know, it's not like if you tr- decide two months from now, you know what, screw it, I want to go pro. You can't. Right. They can do it at any time. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's one of those things to where once you turn pro, that's it. You can't, you know, recourse it. So, you know, ask questions. Well, you, can, you, can, you can now. It's just, uh, it's, you know, there are pros now in, in Olympic boxing. It's just, it's not uh, it's frowned upon in America, but you know, in other parts of the world, you do True. see professionals going to the Olympics. But um, I don't, I, you know, that's not going to happen. Like if you signed a top rank or you signed to uh, uh, Matchroom or PVC, they're not going to let you go back to the Olympics. I mean, I just don't see that happening. I mean, that's just no, not within it's, their. It's not in their it's best a, interest. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a tough predicament for these fighters. I really feel for them because you know everyone tries to plan to peak at a certain point. You know, you're, you're going through the qualifying rounds, the qualifying tournaments, you know, you're one step away, you know, the, the Olympics are in July. You've been looking forward to this. Everything's geared, you know, to that four year cycle. And then it's down, you know, and, and there's a letdown and you know what to do. So we'll see. I think there'll be some interesting, you know, this has been a very, uh, this U S amateur class, by the way, uh, has been thought of fairly highly. So I think uh, there, were, there, there were definitely candidates to get some medals in 2020 and, uh, you know, some very good pro prospects as well. So I'll be interested to see what happens in the coming months uh, as those decisions get pushed out. I mean, we still don't know if there's going to be an Olympics next year. We still don't know if the coronavirus is going to come back in the fall and winter as most of the professionals don't know. So, um, you know, um, yeah, and I mean, it, 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 again, like you said, though, it's, you know, the Olympics were going to happen here in July. If these fighters still feel they, you know, don't want to do it, they can, you know, don't want to wait till next year. The same way they could have, they might have turned pro after the Olympics, they could still do that here late summer, early fall. So, I mean, it's going to be nothing to deter them to make that decision. They don't have to do any sort of knee-jerk decision right now. You know, kind of continue to go through the motions a little bit here the next over the coming months, and maybe make that decision here as the year ends. If okay, do I even want to deal with this here next year? But yeah, I'm kind of like you though. It, it's it was a lot of a, a buzz around some of these fighters going into the Olympics. I think it would help some of them to you know stay in the program, not only you know get, get into the Olympics, but hopefully do well in the Olympics to where their buzz builds even higher to where their asking price can be even more when they do turn pro. You know, right now they return pro that, that asking price and that signing bonus isn't going to be as much as if you have, you know, gold medal Olympic Olympic uh, medalist attached to your name or, you know, sure. finalist attached to your name or something like that. So it, it's, again, it's a lot of different factors. It, it's more, it's going to, it's a more of a business decision than a, um, you know, passion decision or a dream, uh, you know, decision. But again, I, I, like I tell anybody, if you're young, young or old, chase your dreams. But th- this is one of those that this is paints a lot of people in corners if they're kind of on the fence of, of what they want to do next. So let me ask you, uh, before we get going, let me ask you a question. And uh, sorry to spring it on you, but that's what's fun. It's uh, spontaneous. 
What is one thing you've missed most about not bo- about boxing not being around the last few months? And what's one thing you've missed the least about it? Ah, uh, what I've missed the most is uh, oof, wow, it's a, it's a lot of different things that I've missed. I, I just miss. Uh, this is gonna sound odd, but I actually miss the com- the camaraderie that all of us have in social media talking about the fights and talking about yeah. things that are happening and, and that, that port of that, that socialism about it. And granted what we were doing there, folks, that was social distancing. None of us were in the same places together when we're doing this per se, but we were all in it together and all talking about it and, and, you know, reacting to what we're seeing live time. That's one of those things I, I do miss about a fight night. I so miss that. I miss that about a sports events live period. But that's something I definitely missed. What I don't miss so much is, and then this is something that I, I wish could go away along with the coronavirus, is the, the multitude of belts and the confusion with the belts. Even when we've been, you know, in a boxing's been a, at a pause, we've still had confusion of what they're doing with regards to Devin Haney's uh, WBC championship. And it's like the guy's not even fighting. We have no active fights. Why? What, 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 it. it the way that the right. belt structure works, it's it is extremely annoying. You know, one belt, one champion, or no belts at all, and just have if you think you're the best, well, you challenge this guy who thinks he's the best, and you don't even have to have a title belt. You know that that's I I don't miss that at all. But I know when it comes back, what worries me a little bit is in regards to that, Adam, and I'll throw this out at you because you and I both know we're going to see something like this. So say a fighter can't fight. Um, because they don't want to fight in front of an uh, in front of an empty stadium, or they can't travel, or something like that. How many interim championship fights do you think we're going to see in the coming months, or about six, secondary, yeah. secondary belts, or diamond belts, and that kind of stuff? So, uh, I, it's I would come. say, I would say three and a half million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know. So that I was looking. Be- I was, I, I was doing some research on. Uh, I told you about PPC. They have 10 interim champions right now. They have 10 of their fighters have interim belts in various divisions. And not all of them were the WBA either, which was surprising me. There was, so, and, and for all I know, I missed one or two as well. But, I mean, that's incredible that how many interim titles they have under one banner. Um, they have more interim titles than titles, which is uh, pretty crazy because not all the organizations believe in interim titles. Um, so anyhow, all right, well, let me give you my picks. Um, what I miss the most is the build during fight week, a big fight week. You know, that, that anticipation that starts building, you know, Sunday, Monday, you know, oh, Tuesday, Wednesday, oh, God, I'm reading her Thursday. You know, it's that, it's that excitement level. It's the crescendo of getting to a big fight. You know, we're going to miss um, a Cinco de Mayo big fight. Uh, season this year, but there was a lot on this calendar in April and May that looked wonderful. And it's just that, that feeling, you know, sometimes it gets you through the week a little bit, you know, and, and just the excitement. It's Saturday. It's big fight night. You know, I think I've really missed that about it more than anything. Just that, that feeling that, it, you know, that shit. I mean, we love the sport. It does get us through, you know, it is something that that really excites us. And, so I miss that. Um, I'll tell you what I, I haven't missed as much, you know, and this is going to sound completely two-faced of me, hypocritical, 
whatever. We want fighters to promote themselves and talk to the media more, but we don't want them to say stupid things. And so there, so few people are talking to the media, and yet what they're saying is still batshit crazy. You know, it's like I haven't missed all of the batshit crazy. Like, we're now just getting 20%. Like, there's just some batshit stuff out there. Like, like Gary Russell, like, you lost to Lomachenko. I'm sorry. You know, Agent Broner, you're not getting $10 million. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't – like, like what world are some of these fighters in? And I know, you know, both those guys with PBC, I'm not picking on them. I mean, there's batshit stuff all over the place. You know, you know Devin Haney trying to make some of his uh, – uh, I don't know the way he sees the world, but and I like Devin. I've interviewed him. I think he's an amazing fighter. Um, there's just some, there's a little bit of bat shit out there, and I don't miss more of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I don't. A lot of these guys sometimes don't really help themselves. Like Ryan Garcia has some bat shit stuff that he's come up with. Like, I don't think these guys really help themselves when they talk in front of the media. I wish they had media training. There are people out there that could that that could help them with how to uh, engage their fans and you know not hurt themselves uh, in their careers. But I don't miss the batshit stuff. I really don't. You know, it's just like you know I don't want to know Gary Russell that you think that you lost to that you beat Lomachenko because that says to me that you're living in some world that I don't want to be in. You know, like it was that, a, that, like a gift. Let's make sure we we use the correct term. No, no, no. Gift. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's like I don't, I don't want to know about that. I mean, even if you feel that way, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't miss the bad takes. Let's put it that way. I don't miss that. I don't miss the bullshit. I don't miss the the sniping. Um, you know, some of that stuff is fun. It's drama. It's on social media. You know, it, it helps build things to a degree. But then I also realize how much of it is. So much of it sometimes can be negative, and uh, I don't miss that part of it. You know, just just so, so it's a little nasty sometimes, and I guess okay to a point, but I haven't missed it that much. I I would agree with you on both of your points. Yeah, definitely thinking about you know when we kind of Sunday morning we'll wake up and be like, oh, it's fight week, you know, starting for whatever fight, and then that helps us get us through our work weeks. You know, all of us work jobs that I'm assuming our listeners are the same way to where at times our jobs, not always the, the funnest things to do. You know, we need something to motivate us to get us through that work week and just knowing like, yo, Saturday night, single to mile weekend, let me get my beers, let me get my Mexican food. I'm going to watch Canelo fight, fill in the blank. You know, that, that helps get us through our weeks. And I, I completely agree with you there and totally agree with the, the toxic comments these fighters are making during this downtime. Now, the saying goes, and hopefully I get it correctly, that idle time is the devil's playground or idle hands is the devil's playground. I, I, something yeah. of that degree. That's what's happening with a lot of these guys. You know, they're getting Twitter fingers, as we like to say, and they're tweeting out stuff that makes no sense. It's not remotely close to true. And it's... Yeah, it's keeping their name out there, and, and to an extent, it's giving us content as well, but it's unnecessary, and it will eventually come back and bite them in the behind. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect positively on them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, Gary Russell just had a very good performance against King Tug. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people trash Gary Russell, whatever they do. Like, the guy only fights once a year, but you know what? He's beat King Tug. He beat um, Jojo Diaz. 
he's beaten some good fighters, you know, and whatever you want to say about his momentum, like, the guy can fight. He's a good fighter. Like, let's focus on the positive aspects of his career and not, you know, that he's bitter about something that happened six or seven years ago. And I think these people sometimes shoot themselves in the foot. And boxers aren't the only people that do this. Promoters do this. Managers do this. So the whole culture in boxing is kind of like, oh, no publicity is bad publicity. If I say something batshit crazy, then, you know, that gets a lot of play or I don't care. Like, you know, Bob Arum does that sometimes. And I don't miss that. I, I think it's manipulative and or it also just speaks badly about some of these people. So I don't miss it. Um, I wish people kind of use, utilize social media strategy a little better. There are professionals out there that, you know, I'm not saying that you can't run your own account or anything like that, but, um, you know, there are people there that can kind of tell you, is this a good idea or not? <laughs> Sometimes that's okay. Type it and don't hit send. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's stuff that, that I've done. Like, I've typed in, like, I'm not going to hit send on this. But you, you kind of have to, and I mean it. On the, but on that same note, I think there have been some fighters who kind of stepped up and have actually done really well during this time for, for regards to social media. Uh, Jamel Herring's one, you know, friend of the show. I thought he's – I think he's done a good job. Um, Jose Ramirez? And, yeah, Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez and his team have done a good job yeah. in regards to that. Yeah. He's doing uh, for his people there in California. So it, it's a lot of fighters and, and a lot of female boxers. So shout out to the female boxers who have really stepped up. And now it, it's it's almost like they're kind of being able to be more visible throughout this. And they're not getting drowned in regards to all the male boxing events that may go on to where they're trying to get more buzz about their names and what they do out there. So salute to them uh, as well, because a, a lot more of them are more active here now on social media. So it, it, it can be a gift and a curse for for, for athletes. Yeah. Period. You're boxers, or uh, you play any other sort of sport, that you have to be really calculated and careful what you say on social media because it can and will come back and bite you. So uh, I'm like you. I'm I'm, I, I'm something I'm not really liking. One other thing that I'm actually not mad that's not happening when we we have fights, and this will also go away when boxing does come back. We're not going to see the huge entourages either in ring. I, yeah, I think that's fine. That's fine to yeah, me. And, it, and that's going to be great. We're not going to have the struggle wrapping as fighters are coming to the ring. Uh, yeah. That's also be eliminated because again, you're going to have you're going to be able to have so many people uh, there at a time. So I, I was thinking about that. I mean, there are some positives that will come out of this, and hopefully, may even stay in place down the road because we don't need 75 people in the ring. Before you know, when when people are walking out, you don't need that. You don't need, you know, eighteen people coming to the ring. One of them to hold your uh, forty-five pound suit or something to that degree uh, as you're making your way to the ring. You don't need all that. I mean, just you just need your trainers and that's it. We don't even need some promoters in the ring. We know you're promoting. So, man. You don't need the camera time. I have I have two positive things to say because I was upset with myself for being so negative. But I wanted to keep it honest about, you know, there are positives and negative things. But two positive things are this. Um, I've reached out over the last few weeks, months, talked to a lot of people, writers, promoters, you know, friends of mine in the industry, um, fighters. And I got to tell you, most of the people I talk to are really great. You know, people have called me to reach out to me or sent me a a text or a, a tweet 
you know, I've talked to a lot of people instead. You know, there is a community of people in the sport that really pull for each other. I'm not saying it's 100%, but I'm saying, you know, by and large, I think a lot of the people are good. I think a lot of people look out for one another uh, just to see how people are doing. Uh, so I think that's been very encouraging and positive. Uh, I think I think the real connections that 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 people make in the sport, and uh, so I, I've been very encouraged to see that. Uh, the second thing is, um, I think this scenario will present an opportunity for a unknown fighter or a not very known, well-known fighter to make a name for himself. And I can't tell you who it's going to be because that's spoiling the fun. But I kept thinking about that uh, Emmanuel Navarrete. Uh, when he fought Isaac Dogbay. And you sometimes you get the right fight on national TV and people see you and all of a sudden you're like, who the F is this guy? This is a one hell of a fighter. And I guarantee you we're going to see somebody who's going to jump at some $75,000 purse or you know some $90,000 purse at one of the companies who's kind of not their A guy, just to get a fight, and somebody is going to take an opportunity and look fantastic. So I'm excited to see who that's going to be. I know it's going to happen. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a co-feature fight, you know, as opposed to the headliner. But it's going to be somebody that is going to say, you know what, I'm doing this for my career. Uh, uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to seize it. I've been in shape. I've been working out. These other guys have been eating. I think we're going to see a couple of, of fresh faces emerge from this period, and I'm really looking forward to it. I I would agree, and when you were saying that, you know, the first name that came to mind that, that took that opportunity last year, Adam Lopez. He yeah. lost that fight again, uh, um, that he had against, was it, um, I'm getting Valdez. It. Valdez, right, yeah. And, yeah. you know, he had such a buzz for the heart that he showed in taking that fight on short notice good. and giving and he gave Valdez hell. That's one that Valdez would probably never want oh, to yeah. run back, you know, ever again because it's just the style matchup wise, it just didn't work for him. But Adam Lopez took advantage of the opportunity he had and he made the best out of it. And his stock his stock skyrocketed after that. That that guy's had a and he had a larger buzz than the guy who beat him that night. You know, in the, right. in the weeks following the fight. So, for, for, I, I agree. Uh, There's going to be somebody like that who's going to pop up. He is Max Kellerman parlance. He won the story of the fight. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that's a great call, Adam Lopez. You know, it's like you see those guys who step up from time to time. They take their opportunities. And, uh, you know, I think Josh Warrington, the way he burst on the scene – you know, with that with that fight against uh, uh, Lee Selby, um, you know, he was kind of a slightly under the radar guy from Northern England. It's like you don't know these guys. Like, you know, you see the records. You, you we don't see all of their fights. You know, we we have an idea that these guys can fight, but you just never know when things fall into place. And so, I I do think these guys have enormous stables, top rank, Golden Boy, PBC, uh, uh, Matchroom. I mean, uh, Top Rank has 101 fighters under contract. Golden Boy, I just did a piece on them. You know, they have 80-something. You know, PBC, I, I lost track in the 120s or something like that. You know, it's like Matchroom has a ton of fighters. Like, we know a lot of these guys, but we don't know all of them. You know, and we also don't know 
what someone who's properly motivated and looking at this at the moment of his career is going to do. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're hidden or under the radar guys in all of these companies. And so I'm hoping one or two of them get, get their shot, say yes, pick up the phone, make the most of it. And that can have the ability to change their career. And I, I'm really yeah. excited for that. Yeah, that, that kind of prospect of somebody jumping, you know, on our radars, that, that should motivate a lot, of, a lot of fighters out there who hopefully are listening to the show, uh, out there to where that should be in the back of their mind right now. Like, as things start churning and, and starting to open back up, you got to seize the opportunity because you don't know if and when this will ever present itself to you. So uh, I agree, and it, it will be very interesting to see who those fighters are and 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 how you know once they do get that buzz about them, how they then take that energy going forward. But I agree, there's going to be somebody. It's just a matter of who and where that's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so. now I do have a question for you because this is a subject matter that I brought up on last week's show. You know, both of us obviously we we go out and we cover fights. You more frequently than I do because well, where I'm at, there's not like it's a ton of boxing per se. But we both go out and cover fights, and obviously we interview fighters. We we do the show. You know, you do your writing. You know, one thing I said last week is in regards to us doing like the being on press row going to fights going forward. I don't think that's going to be a thing. But I yeah. also think that during this time has made people be a little bit more creative. Has for better or worse, we've seen some athletes do their own IG and interview themselves, but. Do you think – how do you think for, for guys like us covering fights directly, how it's going to change and impact us, or will we even have an opportunity to get in those arenas, at least for the time being, to see the fights live and report them? So I was talking to uh, – do, you know, do you know Jake Donovan from, uh, from yeah. Boxing Scene? All right. Yeah. So I was talking to Jake the other day, and we brought up not the exact same question, but similar. You know, he was talking about not being in fights for fight week. And, and how much could be missed. And for, I know from being at fight weeks, and I, I'm not even talking about the main event itself. I'm just saying, you know, you're being in fights in Philly. The fighters are in town for the week. You know, you're in Atlantic City. You're in Vegas. You're in a smaller area, whatever it is. You pick up so many pieces of nuggets. You know, you talk to their trainers. You talk to their managers. You talk to their stable mates. You talk to the guys that gave them good sparring. I think... Those little pieces, the, the people you run into from the fight game that you never would expect. You know, this happens to me every year. You know, you run into this cut man who, who becomes a, a contact many years later. You run into this trainer, um, uh, you know, a referee, whoever it is. I think those nuggets, those pieces of information, those contacts, the connections, the, the stuff you gleam about in terms of what's going on in a, in a fighter's camp – I think we're going to lose a lot, to be honest with you. Um, there's still going to be the PR of what the promoters want to come out, you know, in terms of the story. We're still going to have the interviews of the fighters with the big writers. But I think the ability to kind of, you know, stick our nose around and uh, learn more about the sport, you know, talk to people, meet more, discover interesting aspects uh Find out about new fighters. Find out who's been, you know, giving great work at the gym. All of that stuff, those little nuances that kind of provide a fuller picture of boxing. I think we are going to 
I think we are going to miss that. Is that going to be critical to the sport? No, but I think it will hurt writers and the media and our ability to uh, project that knowledge out onto our readership. I think it will, uh, I, I think that information not getting out there does hurt. Um, not critical, but I do think stuff will be missed and stuff that could be important. Uh, agreed. I mean, it, it's little tidbits like that because a lot of times when you're talking to other people in boxing at those events, you're you know at weigh-ins, you're, you're just just in conversation. Things will right. come up and they, they'll just spill stuff. You know, when you're comfortable talking to someone, they'll start opening up to you like your Barbara Walters and not really know the difference. You know, know anything about it, not knowing that they're you know giving you breaking information. But those are the kind of things that won't happen as frequently in a lot of the the backstories and then the leaks of what fights are being worked on won't come out ahead of time as much because it you know media is just not going to be around as much now like you said i think we'll, we'll still be able to get fighters to do shows like this we'll still have the fighters on conference calls they'll still do maybe even quasi press conferences or press tours depending on the fights and the what you know, the magnitudes, like maybe you want to say press tours, a Canelo fighter, maybe a Wilder Fury Part 3, those kind of uh, attractions would get those. But, you know, in 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 ring, not in ring, but in arena, that's done. Um, backstage access to the fighters after fight, post-fight press conferences, I think that's done. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of a bitter, it's a bittersweet thing, but it is what it is. So the B-level main events will hurt, too. So look at a fight like, um, you know, uh, Progress uh, and Hooker. Um, that fight was going to be on zone, and uh, but the media that was going to be there was, uh, it's not like it was getting national attention, right, in terms of outside yeah. the sporting world. It's not like it was getting international attention. It was the boxing boxing media itself were the ones that were kind of talking up how good that fight was. It was the boxing media and the community in boxing that was the one kind of bringing the buzz to the fight. It wasn't the fighters themselves. It wasn't the so I think for the B level cards, um, you know, a guy like Jose Ramirez who depends on local fans and the local media. You know, the local media can be a very useful tool for a growing a fighter's base. Um, you know, not having them having the same access is a big deal. Um, it, it's, I mean, again, none of this stuff is critical, but it helps. It's all part of a mix. I think any prom promoter or PR person would tell you that they would rather have boxing media involved than not. I mean, it's clear there's a purpose there. And obviously, we're still going to watch fights. We're still going to report on the fights. We're still going to give our opinions. But, yeah, something will be missed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this will also as well maybe in some ways force fighters who, you know, you use a good example of Pro Gray and, and Maurice Hooker. Um, those guys aren't really that prevalent, uh, you know, savvy social media-wise and promote self-promoting themselves. They're not the big bolsters and braggers in that regard to sell their fights. Uh, this may force them and force their hands to have to be a little bit more 
open and communicate and try to reach out or have their PR team maybe have them do more programming and different podcasts and different interviews to get themselves out there to build that buzz to have people say, hey, make sure you sign up for the zone to watch this fight on blank date. Because if right. if you're not going to have media there and media to talk about it, the, media, the same media who's going to be sitting at home watching it in California uh, on their couch, you know, instead of going down to, to watch it. Uh, there in Maryland, you know, it's it's going to have the fighters are going to have to also adapt and change to that as well. I see some being able to do it, and I see some who will, will mightily right. struggle with it uh, in the coming months. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and, and like, I think Regis Progress does a pretty good job on the social media, but a guy like Maurice Hooker really does nothing, you know. And uh, I, 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 honestly, I mean, and so be it, you know. Uh, it's up to a fighter to determine to a point, you know, what they want out of their career. Um, yeah. And but, then Hooker's uh, had a chance to, to be a guest on the show. He stood up the show. Let me just, just say that for, for the record, since we're saying his name, he stood up the show. So oh. um, he actually had to losing his fight. <laughs> so Jose Ramirez after that. So it could have been karma there. I don't know. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, it's very interesting. Um, before we head out, I just want to give a, pl- a quick plug. Uh, I'm going to be finishing my promoter snapshot uh, piece. It's the second of a series uh, on PBC that will be out later this week. Uh, it'll be hopefully interesting. And we'll be talking about uh, where's the PBC in the marketplace, what challenges they have, what are they doing very well. I'm talking about their prospects. I'm talking about uh, gaps in their pipeline. Um, I think it'll be a good read. Uh, I I did a piece a couple weeks ago on Golden Boy, which was my first of this series, and I got some very good feedback out of that, so I was very enthused. Uh, And parts three and four of the series is going to be top rank and and then matchroom. So I've been enjoying kind of digging into all of these fighters. I've been calling a lot of people, trying to figure out, you know, who everybody likes as top prospects and – you know, kind of, kind of really taking a look under the hood a little bit and thinking about what each of these companies, uh, what are their main challenges that are going to be uh, hitting them in the next couple of years. So that should be up in the next couple of days. You can read that on Saturday Night Boxing dot uh, com. I'll also have that posted on my, you know, Twitter account uh, SN Boxing and my Facebook uh, group SN Boxing. I also want to make one other plug. We are doing a uh, classic fight watch party. Uh, every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. It's been a lot of fun. We've had a good, uh, dedicated crew every week. Uh, I believe um, uh, Chavez against Juan Laporte is going to be uh, the fight this Sunday. And then the next Sunday we're doing Gotti and uh, Ivan Robinson 1, which is an incredible fight from the 90s. So if anybody's interested, it's a fun group. We all watch the fights live. We we make comments. It's uh, it's kind of funny and uh uh, but they're good boxing people, you know. It's just it's just sitting like thinking about watching a fight with a with a bunch of guys and maybe a couple of girls that you like and uh, just shooting the shit for an hour over a good fight. So uh, if there is an interest in participating, feel free to uh, access that via my Facebook uh, boxing group SN Boxing. So thanks, Brandon, for the plugs. Oh, it's always come on now. You have to thank me for the plug. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that being said, you know, another shameless plug if we're going to plug stuff is obviously if you're listening to the show, thank you. Uh, you can find the show on Blog Talk Radio. You can find all the episodes there as, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
and wherever you get your podcast from, just search Punch the Face Radio, listen, subscribe, and share. I would gladly appreciate it. Uh, you can also find the shows on punchtheface.com, which is my website, and I don't write much on there anymore. I haven't wrote anything since the beginning of the year. Adam has kind of inspired me as I'm sitting at home really over these last seven weeks. I should have been writing more on the website, and quite honestly, i got to think of something. So I'm going to get, I'm going to make a promise here on the show now. So, Adam, you are my witness. If this doesn't happen, you're more than welcome to drag me. Uh, I will have something up today as I do the show live. This is April 29th. I will have something up no later than May the 4th. So Monday, uh, May the 4th, we will have something up, something written. And it's actually going to be a long piece. I don't know what, but I'll figure out something. You know, it's Uh, funny. When you you write, like, I really like – like you, you, you write well. Like you always have interesting topics. So I like, I like, you know, you, you look at things that I wish more people did. So I, I always uh, eagerly await and uh, uh, your pieces. So uh, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that. So you, you've inspired me. This is what we do on the show. This is why we have Adam on the show as much as we do. Adam is an inspiration. He is my muse when it comes to this boxing stuff. So appreciate yeah. that, Adam. You've, you've now you've, – you've got the, the, my, my wheels turning in my head uh, this I week. Be, so. I have to be honest. You know, it's been I, – I, I've been stuck at home now. I think this is my seventh week and uh, – sixth or seventh week. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, who used to – used to write something at least once a week, sometimes more than that. And I, it was a very difficult period. I think this is just my third piece during that time. Now, granted, there hasn't been live fights. There's not fights to preview. There's not, you know, fights to recap, you know. So uh, some of that is there's just not a lot of boxing activity going on. But some of it is also, you know, it's it's been a tough time. You know, it's been a tough to, uh, uh, you know, to transition to how the world has changed, to how our lives have changed. Um I think we've all realized, though, that sports, escapism, you know, joy, all of that has a place in our world, and all that is sorely missed right now. So, um, you know, I've been reading my favorite writers, and I don't care if they write about baseball or, or drama or whatever, you know, like they give me pleasure. I'm happy. You know, it kind of connects you to, you know, like a place you enjoy living in again that – you know, the people you like reading or interacting with or doing or at least still putting out good work. So, uh, you know, I've come, I've come around to the fact that, you know what, I like writing. Some people are going to read it. Some people are going to like it. I hope that's good. I hope you do the same. I look forward to reading it just so you know you're definitely going to have at least an audience of one, and I think you're probably have an audience of many more because you write some interesting stuff. Well, I appreciate it, man, and, and you know, and it's like you said, it's been a tough time for everyone. Some you know, my mental mental psyche wasn't the best here a few weeks ago. I didn't do the show, but I've now came out of that funk. I, I see, I see the light is there, so I'm focused. I'm rededicated. Uh, boxing fans, we're here for you. Uh, we're here for you to listen to our show, laugh, uh, think we're idiots, think we're crazy. That's what we're here for. We're trying to cheer you up and kind of give you, like you said, some escapism during this tough time. So. Uh, as Adam, as always, I appreciate you joining me here for the show, man. Again, Thanks, SN sir. Boxing on Twitter, Saturday Night Boxing is the website, SN Boxing on Facebook. Make sure you go uh, on Sunday to watch uh, the live fight party. With that being stated, I'm Brandon Stubbs. I'll be back next week. So until then, I want everyone to stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. That's the only way we're going to get through this. And please, for the love of God, wash your hands. I'll be back next week. Until then, I am out.